Welcome back, Crack fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Our team has the opportunity to participate in so many different cool events throughout the course of the tennis calendar, whether that be at the junior, collegiate, or professional level. We've had the opportunity to get the chance to shine a light on so many of the different things that happen day in, day out, week in, week out, across levels in the tennis world. As such, our Cracked Rackets team is thrilled to be participating participating in an exhibition event this week that you all may know as the Madison Keys Court of Dreams celebration of tennis event. Now, anytime you get to hang out with a former Grand Slam finalist, top 20 player in the world, that's always going to be exciting for us here at Crack Rackets. But to be able to go back with Madison to her home state of Iowa, to be able to put on this event in front of a local tennis community in front of juniors who are continuing to learn to improve embrace this sport. It's going to be the opportunity of a lifetime here for us at Crack Rackets, and we are so thrilled to be able to broadcast all of the action on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. Our coverage of the event begins Thursday when they are hosting both a junior clinic and a panel to focus on mental health in association with Madison Keys' foundation, Kindness Wins, which of course shines a light on the mental struggles so many different people go through across the globe and trying to get those people the help they need, trying to, again, destigmatize the conversation around mental health. Our team's so excited and honored to be able to participate in an event like that, of course. We've also got some fantastic tennis coming for you all on Friday as Madison going to participate in a plethora of tennis events, some mixed doubles, some doubles with some junior players in the area. Of course, she's also going to be playing a singles match against Katie McNally. It's going to be a celebration of tennis as its name indicates. Of course, again, that Madison Keys Court of Dreams celebration of tennis event begins on Thursday. The tennis happening on Friday. You'll be able to follow all of it on our Crack Rackets. YouTube channel, but in coordination with that event, we've got a couple of really fun podcasts for you all over the next couple of days, including the episode we have for all of you here today as I am joined by three-time ATP doubles champ, former coach of Leighton Hewitt and Max Purcell and my friend Nathan Healy to discuss this week's Madison Keys Court of Dream celebration of tennis event. I wanted to talk to Nathan about why he wanted to participate in an event like this, share his story, some of the journeys he went through throughout the course of his pro career. And then I wanted to discuss with Nate his approach to coaching, how his approach may change, may have changed, excuse me, from the way he was coached as a junior. I wanted to talk about some of his own personal, both professional and coaching experiences and so much more. Not only is Nathan a fantastic guy, but a fantastic storyteller as well. I know all of you listeners are going to enjoy today's podcast. Of course, the reason we're able to have these fantastic conversations is because of the support we get from all of you listeners and, of course, because of the support we get from our friends at Swing Vision. And again, I talk about the exciting things we get to do here at Crack Rackets, work with our partners at Swing Vision very near the top of the list. Of course, Swing Vision at the forefront of all artificial intelligence innovations happening within the sport of tennis. And if you download the Swing Vision app today, you'll have access to all of it. Of course, what does the Swing Vision app do? It's simple, folks. What you do 
you download the app, you set up the app every time you play tennis, and you'll open that Swing Vision app, you'll open up your camera, you'll record your hitting session. From there, the app takes over. And what it will do with its artificial intelligence technology is break down your performance on court. Forehands, backhands, volleys, serves, it'll categorize all of it for you. It'll break down the errors. It'll break down the makes. It'll show you what you need to do to continue to improve in your game. Again, all of that information in the palm of your hand. Sounds like a sweet deal to me. And you can learn more about our friends at Swing Vision by clicking on the link in the description to this podcast. When you do download the app, use our promo code CRACK20. You'll get $20 off plus a free 14-day pro trial. I'm telling you, folks, it is the easiest way to improve your tennis game. Download that Swing Vision app. We are immensely grateful for their support. The least we can do ask you to support them as well. Learn more by clicking on the Swing Vision link in the description to this podcast. With that said... Let's get to it. My fantastic conversation with the one and only Nathan Healy. Hey, Crack fans. Before we get to today's show, I want to let all of you listeners know about the revolutionary work being done by our friends over at Swing Vision. Now, all of us as tennis players are constantly searching for that piece of information that's going to give us that one, two, three percent edge whenever we step onto the court. We want to know, am I hitting my forehand with enough depth? Am I accurately placing my backhands? Am I employing patterns on the court that are putting me in an optimum position to experience success? Thankfully, all of those questions can now be answered via the app produced by our friends at Swing Vision. Folks, it's extraordinarily simple. You're going to download the app. You're going to turn that app on your phone. You're going to put your phone on the back fence, the back curtain of whatever court you're playing on. You're going to hit record. And then using artificial intelligence, Swing Vision is going to break down your performance. If you click on the link that you find in the podcast description here on today's episode, you'll go right to the Swing Vision website. And of course, friends who use our Crack Rackets promo code CRACK20 are going to get an additional $20 discount and a free 14-day pro trial on the Swing Vision app. Again, you use that promo code Crack 20, $20 discount, as well as a free 14-day pro trial. How do you find the link? To get signed up, just go back to your podcast feed. It's in the podcast description of this episode. You go to the Swing Vision website, you set up your account, you download the app, you get rocking and rolling, get all the information, one location with our friends at Swing Vision. Joining us on the show today is a man you will get to know more of throughout the course of this week's Madison Keys Court of Dreams celebration of tennis happening at the Iowa All Lawn Tennis Club and prominently broadcasted here on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. A man you may know best as a three-time ATP doubles champion. A man with wins over Roger Federer in the juniors. We'll get into that here on today's show. And of course, a man I know best as my friend Nathan Healy. Nathan, welcome to our show. How are you doing today? I'm fantastic, Alex. Great to be on the show. And uh, yeah, excited to get into this podcast with you. 
Oh, I've done my research. I've got plenty of questions for you here today. But of course, the place I want to start, obviously, that Madison Keys celebration of tennis event in coordination with her foundation, Kindness Wins, something to celebrate, of course, fantastic tennis. And for her to get to go home, do it in front of the Iowa community. We talked to her about how special that is. But for you to be able in, to participate in an event like this, that, of course, is not only celebrating some fantastic on-court tennis, but to be a part of the conversation. Kindness wins a foundation focusing on the well-being, mental health of so many uh, across the globe. Talk to me about why you wanted to get involved with an event like this. Uh, Well, Ryan Nah, who is, uh, I guess, on the panel, uh, he's he's from this area in Pennsylvania where my wife is from. Uh, And yeah, I know his his aspirations are to club the political through the political scene in uh, the USTA and then reach that presidential position. Uh, yeah. So he's a master at connecting dots and, you know, connecting people. And so he, uh, you know, suggested that this might be uh, something that I'm interested in. Uh, and it certainly is. Uh, mental health is very close to my heart. Um, I actually had a, had a quite a traumatic event uh, back in 2012 and, where I had an aortic aneurysm and uh, almost ended my life there. So uh, it made me, you know, have a deeper appreciation for, um, you know, what's going on underneath the surface layers of life and, uh, you know, encouraged me to look look deeper and look at my own mental health, which, uh, you know, was a challenge on the tour, you know, with all the highs and lows and, so yeah, from from my experience, I uh, you know I feel like uh, I've grown so much, and and just to share that journey with others, I think can be be a benefit. So I'm excited to be part of it. And that's why we were so excited to not only get to work with you for this event, but get to share your story here on this show today because you talk about you know, some of the trauma you went through. I'm always so curious, you know, when telling your story, you turned pro in 1998, 18 years old. And to turn pro at that age, that means it's a lifetime filled with tennis and all of the training and, you know, the wearing down that comes with trying to build up a pro career. And for listeners that don't know, you were a top 100 player in the juniors and singles, number 13 in doubles. You know, anytime you can make a semifinal of a slam, I don't care if if it's junior, I don't care if it's, you know, the pros, I don't care if it's wheelchair, that's just impressive. So we can get into that. But how strenuous, how straining, taxing is that lifestyle and to make that decision at 18? I mean, I'm I'm sure even today you still feel some of the, you know, after effects of that choice. Yeah, definitely. Uh, tennis certainly takes its toll on your on your body and also your mind. Uh, but yeah, impressive research, by the way. <laughs> uh, I I wouldn't be able to recall those matches. I, I yeah, my memory doesn't doesn't work like that. Uh, but yeah, I, it was you know I I just was following the the next step, and you know it felt like I was traveling well as a junior. And, uh, yeah, so it, it was a logical next step to just step onto the tour. And I, I ended up, I had patella tendonitis in my left knee, which made it challenging on the singles court. So I ended up on the doubles court and then had results, uh, good results pretty quickly. Uh, and the ranking moved from, you know, whatever, a thousand in the world up into the top 50. And, uh, 
you know, then then it was a decision on, you know, whether I could actually step back on the singles court. Uh, but the way the, tour- the tournaments were structured, the, the finals of doubles were on, on the weekend. So if you did well, you couldn't make singles qualities of the, of the next event. Uh, so yeah, it was, um, you know, it was, it was, it was a journey onto, onto the doubles, into the doubles scene. And, uh, but then the rules, the rules shifted and the ATP made a decision where they allowed singles players to use their rankings as doubles rankings. So I was in, you know, in the minority group of players that, Kind of got shafted in that moment, uh, you know, fifty to eighty in the world. Who's going to care about those players? But so, but one minute you're in, you know, uh, well, you're knocking on the door of Master Series, and uh, you're in tour events. So all of a sudden, that's taken away. So at 24 years of age, I made the decision to go back and play singles and start from scratch, um, and yeah, work my way up to up to 150 with some good results in there, but. Uh, you know, no regrets here. Uh, you know, it's a wonderful sport. And, uh, yeah, I always uh, appreciate sharing sharing the sport with people that are certainly people that are interested and, uh, yeah, open to tennis. But then also I have a passion for mental health and, uh, you know, and uh, well-being. You say no regrets. I saw the hair. Slight regret? <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Uh, yeah, there's a couple of times in there. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, and I know you, yeah. you go on to coach Leighton Hewitt, and I'm, I'm sure you grew up with him. I see some of the junior tournaments you guys played together. I mean, you guys went with the full mullet. 2005, 2006, there was no holding back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's. I think I got my nickname Captain Planet <laughs> during that period. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, no, some, yeah, some fun days. And then there was a uh, bleached hair. I, I had a makeover done at the U.S. Open one year, and it was. And uh, you know, the, the guy that was doing it said, "I know exactly what to do with you. You're going <laughs> like white." So I was like, "Oh, all right, let's do it." And yeah, that's one of my ATP profile pictures. Yeah, that's why they switched the. Yeah, that's why they switched the rankings rules. They're like, we can't have that. They're like, come on, like, what are we doing here? But no, with uh, with that said, you know, I think, and I want to talk about the physical taxation as well, obviously, of life on tour, but. Again, we're focusing on the mental health here this week, something that is so often under-discussed. And, you know, reading some of the interviews you do, you talk about now the appreciation you have with all of the day-to-day activities, whether it be the small coaching sessions or maybe the little things that were more annoying during your pro career. I'm curious because we hear players allude to how mentally taxing life on tour is you know what are they referring to what is it about that life on the pro tour grind that can be such a wear down for so many players oh wow uh that's a yeah loaded question for sure but uh it's uh yeah just the um constant travel uh you know changing of environments uh you know weekly now, at one stage, I said tennis players must travel the most out of anyone in the world. Like even business businessmen who travel for a living, they have their home base and they spend spend uh, you know period longer periods of time than I think, especially players from the southern hemisphere, uh, you know from the from Australia and South Africa and New Zealand. Uh, yeah, traveling from there, you're gone pretty much all year. You know, 
so yeah, I think that's that's taxing. Uh, crossing time zones constantly, you know, the golf tour, they, they're kind of set up in Asia or set up in the States. They go to one continent, whereas tennis is, you know, many continents and your continents and you're, especially in the challenger level, uh, you're, you're shifting continents, continents a lot of the time. So uh, that's tough. Uh, living out of a suitcase, uh, you know, just... Uh, yeah, having everything you, you know, all your possessions, you know, are very limited. You know, I was always made the focus on traveling light, as light as possible. Um, you know, that's a challenge in itself. And then, and then just the, it can get lonely out there, you know, especially if you don't have a team. And that's where I encourage players that are, you know, looking to push through to the upper echelon is to start really considering your team and build that around you. Uh, because that's where tennis is is unique to other team sports, you know, where where it's, you know, teams have that uh, entrenched support network around with a lot of people. Uh, tennis, you're out there alone and, you know, you do, you've got to become the, a CEO of your business and, and really find the talent that's going to help support you. And uh, that's where I reflect on Roger Federer's career. I think he, you know, we say that he's, you know, one of the goats, <laughs> the greatest of all time. Uh, and he's, you know, he's a great, one of the greatest tennis players, but really he's one of the greatest CEOs, mm-hmm. the way that he's managed himself. And he, he knows when he's ready, he knows when his body's ready, uh, and he pulls in the support to help that happen. So, and speaking of regrets for me, that's one thing that I would do differently if I was to do it again is seek good people and, uh, yeah, and seek mentors, ask questions and, yeah, get curious and be, really become a student of the game. Drop the ego, uh, you know, say that to the, saying that to the 17 and 20-year-old can be tough, but it really is true. If you can drop the ego, and ask questions, um, you know, of people that have gone through it, then there is support out there. You just have to be willing to seek it. You once were interviewed by a website called Behind the tu- or Beyond the Tour, excuse me, and they were asking you about some of your pro takeaways. There was a quote in it that stood out to me I wanted to bring up now. You said, you know, takeaways from the tour that's filled with highs and lows. And if one is not aware of the bigger picture, uh, if the intention for playing is focused around winning, becoming famous, or making money, then true success is unattainable. I was certainly, referring to yourself, on that train of playing for the wrong reasons. But from where I stand now, I feel blessed to have these lessons for my growth talk to me about again that growth and obviously you just talked about the mentally taxing struggles and certainly it becomes easier to have that life on tour when the hotel room becomes a suite when you know hauling your luggage means actually someone in my team worries about the luggage I really just got to go from point a to point b and show up and play tennis you know those sorts of things come with success at the same Mm -hmm. time it feels very self-explanatory of how one can get lost in that chase definitely definitely um yeah i think uh, yeah the growth i you know it's it's uh, as a player uh that's that's working their way up through the challenger level it's uh yeah extremely hard without that team around you and 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 then not knowing where the next paycheck's coming so you know, uh, organizing your own travel and not, you know, not having agents do it for you. It's, uh, yeah, that's, that, that, that's tough. And, and so, yeah, it's, uh, 
I mean, in an ideal world, you 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 have the ability to understand that 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 that's one thing that needs to be taken care of, and then but when you step on court, that has to fall away, and then if you can step into the joy of playing and the art form, and this is where my you know tagline "Play Awake" comes from. It's it's once you step on that court. It's it's the joy of playing and the and and the you know the creativity and the problem solving and uh, that needs to be primary uh, and then the awake refers to the meditation and that that's where you can settle the nervous system and allow allow your skill set to really come out and and shine uh, you know and and so that's that you know that's a skill that to drop that off off court stuff and step into that meditative place is is something that uh, needs to be practiced and, uh, you know, and, and, and supportive, and, uh, you know, so it's uh, something I didn't have as a player. I, I always refer to myself as, as a moron when I played. I really didn't know how to play. I wasn't a student of the game. I muscled my way through. I was a good athlete. You know, I worked, worked so hard physically, but I really didn't spend a lot of time meant you know mentally putting the pieces together or pulling support in where it was where it was needed um so so yeah and i did feel that pressure of you know wanting to or the, that that desire to climb the the ladder of tennis and you know the the constant scratching away at, at uh you know attaining so, like fame and fortune and and uh yeah i think i i lost myself in that so, uh, you know, for, for younger players, I feel like if, if you can have a support network around you that, that can, can send these positive, positive messages of, of why you're really playing and, 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 and really point to the joy of, a joy of being out there rather than, um, you know, the fruits of the success. So I guess when you talk about the fruits of, you know, reach it, say, let's say making it, you have a better suite, you know, you have uh you know pe- more you know people picking you up you have you know your fans you're signing more autographs and but you know that that you know that has takes its toll as well you know all the media commitments you know so i think it it just changes that's all you know um it's uh yeah and that's why that it's a i think if you can take on that growth mindset and make that the priority rather than yeah like i said the fruits and the you know the dollars, so yeah. to speak. It's uh, yeah, no, it's a better I, approach. It's a healthier approach. Absolutely. And you obviously transitioned from a pro career into coaching. And I apologize. I don't want to have you give away all of your secrets here. Of course, people can come find you in the oh, Pennsylvania good. area as well. But you talk about focusing on the mental side of the game. And I was talking with. A top 100 player uh, a couple of days ago just about something we were doing and you know he was making the point of look everyone can hit a forehand nowadays everyone can hit a backhand nowadays it really is the little things those edges that make the difference when you talk about focusing and coaching that mental game you know for our listeners who whether they're aspiring young players or parents trying to get their kids into it maybe just someone who's you know 35 years old and is like hey I like this tennis thing I want to get better what does coaching that mental side look like wow I loaded again um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah look I'm a heavy swinger you know I, I come from the Barbara <laughs> Walters church of interviewing <laughs> uh yeah it's um 
Yeah, it's 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 seeking those those one percenters. It's a, it's a really listening, listening to where the student is at and what they're going through. Uh, and and yeah, sometimes you you know you're coaching, sometimes you're guiding, sometimes you're a student and and just really listening because they have messages. Even the youngest, I worked with an eleven year old the other day, and yeah, just listening to where they're where they're at and uh, where they want to go. You know, not not pro tennis isn't for everyone, and uh, it's it, you know it's it, it it is a long road so. Um, yeah, meeting them where they're at, and then um, yeah, guiding them into what uh, what I think is important on court, as which is between point routines, being really solid with your mental structure between points. And this is where I think a lot of coaches they kind of just, they they kind of skip over it. They might have a physical routine. Okay, we're going to bounce the ball four times, and we're going to take a deep breath. But I like to go deeper than that. And I like to, I have, I have a process, a three-step process that, that includes visualization, uh, which includes meditation and, uh, which includes a little bit of analysis. And so it's really, it's analyze, visualize presence and those three ingredients. It's, it's kind of like, here are the ingredients to, to this cake we're going to make and you have to put it together. I can't do it for you. This is what I suggest. And so we kind of just play with those three, uh, and then from there, um, yeah, just just refining it over time. Mm-hmm. Um, now, but uh, it's uh, yeah, yeah. Now again, I don't want to give away the full scope. Um, I will say this for those curious: you can come out to our junior clinic that we have. I believe the Thursday uh, it's coming up this Thursday at the uh, All Iowa Lawn Tennis Center, which uh, you'll have the opportunity to work with Nate and Madison Keys and. KP and so many others who will be there and me like let's not forget about the superstar of the event of course you're coming to see me um but you know with all of that said uh, for me some my coaches are so many of my formative influences and I can and I do blame one of my tennis coaches for what I now do today because he used to always laugh on the court when I would do my thing and he was like oh you know you got something here and so it's his fault for the confidence I have today with that said do you coach players differently than you were coached? Like, has, has it changed? I mean, not just from a skill set standpoint, but from an attitude or perspective. Do you think the way players are coached have has changed? Uh, yeah, I think, it, again, it's it's been more refined over time. I okay. think they're, definitely their professionalism as far as nutrition and the you know, physio, physiotherapy, you know, they're, they're looking to, to really get into the details of their, of their body. Uh, and that's definitely improved over time. Uh, but yeah, the mental, you know, the mental side, I still think has a little bit of catching up to do, especially with the younger generation. Uh, you know, there's always a discussion on why, why the, the next generation hasn't broken through and, and taken down these, you know, the top three, the, the, uh, the big three. Uh, and you know, there's, been talk about phones and technology and the distraction that that uh, you know that that brings and uh, maybe there's some truth in it uh, you know I always encourage my players to put the phone away you know avoid conversation before matches uh, take your time to to meditate and really get in your body and and which which really opens up the senses so you're fully aware of your environment which yeah I could go on about this all day but 
yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it, there's some more refining that, that needs to happen, particularly for that for the next generation. They've done a great job physically, but, yeah, I think there's more that can be gained. Did you yeah. enjoy the Djokovic-Kyrgios final? I... Uh, did I enjoy it? Yes. I, I'm, uh, <laughs> I, I, I understand Nick, uh, you know, has challenges and mental, mental challenges, uh, that he's seemingly is working to, towards getting on top of. Uh, but yeah, I'm not a fan of the disrespect <laughs> of uh, opponents and lines people. And yeah, I think there's, there's some lines that are crossed, which I, which I don't appreciate. Um, uh, so I find it hard to get behind Nick, uh, I, but I love Djokovic. I think he's worked at, at the stuff that I talk about. I really think he's the one, even I put him above Roger and Rafa that has gone down the rabbit hole and evolved as a human and constantly does. He's, you know, we, we're all human. He makes mistakes. There were, you know, outbursts and whatever, but he has really worked at this side um, and refined his his uh, mental uh, and emotional skills, and uh, he's he's curious about that. So I, I would love 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 to have a have a one on one conversation with him. Uh, and yeah, it just goes to show in that final, getting back to the final, it, how stable he was mentally and emotionally. And I and I felt like that that would play out. Nick has brings that uncertainty to the court. The you know he's unpredictable. Uh, you know, which makes it challenging. But uh, yeah, you know, Novak's able to keep his his worst tennis closer to his best, whereas Nick has his best tennis and then it falls away. You know, even though you know for a brief period, but if you're if you're out of there and you're not focused for even a game, that's that can be it. That can be the match right there. So uh, I was interested actually uh, when Novak took a toilet break uh, in the, after the third set. Now I was thinking uh, he wouldn't do that against Roger or Rafa if he was he, if he had the momentum. But knowing Nick is in a vulnerable place mentally, I feel like he he that was a strategic move. Took the bathroom break so then Nick you know was in his own head and and uh you know would ultimately eat himself alive that that's where that's where i went but no yeah it was yeah he's a master yeah there's that time when Djokovic again loses the first set he's just like all right i'm just so you're aware or to me the most notable was against van reithoven in what was it the fourth round where there's like 54 minutes left on the clock until they're going to suspend the match and it's like all right i have 54 minutes that's fine. I can win two sets. And it's just like, break, yeah. break, set's done. Break, break, set's done. And you're just like, again, he can still, at age 35, he can turn it on in a way that you – because I always thought it was different. Rafa's always turned on, right? Like, he walks out on the court, you're getting 110% of Rafa from start to finish. Novak is the one – He'll take. it might take him 30 minutes, but then he turns it yeah. on and it doesn't turn off. And it's just – it's it's remarkable to your point, and yeah, I mean, again, twenty one majors in sixty eight Grand Slam main draws. You're lucky if you play twenty one main draws in your career. He's won twenty one yeah. slams. Just remarkable. With that said, before I let you go, got to dive into your career a bit. Bigger highlight for you: third round Australian Open singles. I think it was oh four, oh five, whatever against Davidenko. Yeah, oh yeah, five or twenty ten Hala. You're in the box when Hewitt snaps the 15-match uh, losing streak against Federer. 
Wow. Uh, you know what? I got to put the coaching hat and the coaching role in a different, in a different box, mm-hmm. you know? So my highlight as a player, yeah, was definitely that third round Aussie open. Uh, yeah. I refer to that a lot in my coaching. Uh, it was, yeah, it was an, an incredible atmosphere. All the Aussies were drinking all day. There was the heat rule that come in. So there was no tennis until later in the evening. And, uh, yeah, I, but honestly, I, like I said, I didn't really know how to play all, all that I knew in that match is that I was getting smashed from the back of the court. So I had to, either, I had to bring him forward and also serve and volley. I had to get to the net. So there was no, there was no in between there, which, which actually made it quite clear tactically, but I didn't have the belief that I could beat him. I was just out there to put on a show and make sure I didn't get you know, obliterated. Yeah. So, I feel like the last uh, three people who were relevant that used a Prince racket, like Nikolai Davidenko, <laughs> John Isner, like that's the list. Um, yeah. No. And I, I'm looking at it. Uh, the laundry first round 29 C that's a pretty nice win. You know, obviously straight uh, two sets. He retires Amir Delic though. College tennis. Great. Amir Delic. That's a nice four set win in round two. Yeah, it was. It was. And, you know, playing in Australia with your own crowd, it, you know, the, an environment that you're, you know, grew up and you're comfortable with, that, that makes it easier. Yeah, that was a great win. And, yeah, to be in the third round, last Aussie standing, um, yeah, it was a special feeling in Australia for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Versus yeah, the Hewitt so experience? Yeah, how, do, how does that differ from the Hewitt experience? Well... When I started coaching late and I finally put on the uh, student hat and became curious about the game and, you know, was 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 there to study other players and figure out their strengths and weaknesses and how he could exploit that. And, and you know, there was two tactics uh, that I gave Leighton for that match in particular against Roger, uh, you know, which I guess it doesn't matter, <laughs> but was serving volleying. You know, didn't didn't allow Roger to chip his backhand. So you know, then he had one eye on Leighton. Uh, you know, is he going to serve and volley? Isn't he? So put it some doubt in his mind there. Uh, and also mirroring Roger's slice when Roger when Roger slice Leighton slice. So that rather than hit his two hander, which sometimes wouldn't have the angle to get to Roger's backhand, which would allow Roger to move around and pump forehands and then dictate the point. We had Leighton wait for Roger to hit up, and then Leighton could move around and use his form. But you know, two little tactical changes that made a big difference, and yeah, ended that 15 match losing streak. Uh, was definitely a wonderful feeling, and you know, obviously Leighton had to do it. You know, I'm just there planting some seeds, uh, but also Leighton had an incredible, incredible ability to feed off the energy in the box. So we and we growing up together had that connection. And, uh, you know, so it was, yeah, it was pretty special when we locked eyes and, and he trusted what I had to say. That uh, was really, it was really a wonderful experience with him. Um, yeah. No, I, first of all, you saw my eyes light up. I love A, that you're like, do I give away the secrets? Like, what if someone, like, I don't want Rod, that's amazing that that instinct's still there. 
But B, again, the nuance of that, like just how minute a detail you're looking for of, hey, don't slice, you know, don't play heavy unless he's playing heavy. If he's slicing, you're mirroring that. I'm fascinated. I'm locked in. We're just going to have to do X's and O's with you at some point over the course of the next few days while we'll get to see you in Iowa. But of course, I know, again, you are now actively coaching as well. And uh, my final question for you is, what is it about getting on court? I mean, obviously, you had the chance to work with the Hewitts of the world, the Max Purcells of the world now to get to work with you know, juniors and players who are rising through their game. What is it about that aspect of coaching that appeals to you? <laughs> When the when the player is open, mm-hmm. it's a, it's and and curious, and they're and they're absorbing everything, and they're like a sponge. They are absolutely. It's a pleasure to teach. As soon as that if that shuts down, that's when I yeah, that's when it uh, it's not enjoyable anymore. You know, because the connection is it, you know is as is not there. So yeah, when it when it's that it's that that the, when a player is just eating up every word. And then they're putting it into practice. Uh, it's it's a joy, you know. Um, yeah, when they buy into because my methods are with the play away concept. It can be, it's not so physical, you know. It, it, it is. It's it's a lot of the unseen stuff, uh, which in my experience is, is the key that unlocks the physical. You know, but it's, uh, you know, so a lot of players and parents, they want to see physical and they want results straight away. And it's like, no, this is a process and it's a process as a player, but more so as a human. So growing that human and seeing them just, you know, evolve into better people is that's that's really my true passion. And, you know, that's what I was doing back in Australia at a, at a, at a little club, um, Wyong Tennis Club, north, just north of Sydney. And I built this community um, that is, is just gorgeous. Like the people, are, you know, these kids are, you know, then they're teaching the young, the five, four and five-year-olds and they've got them in meditation and they're talking about what's important and, the, you know, and running UTR events, uh, you know, and, and, and really sending the message that it's about developing and supporting each other and it's not about the results. And, you know, there's, there's so many players in the world. So, you know, it's like, let's, let's work together at this little club and this little environment. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's special. I, I enjoy giving away the play awake awards at the, mm-hmm. at these UTR events. That yeah. was those special moments. No, I love to hear it. And again, that passion for the sport is what fuels it at the grassroots level. And that's what you don't see. Obviously we all enjoy Wimbledon easy to get excited about a stage like that but you don't see to your point the utr events the junior events all the clinics everything that goes into fueling uh again the passion and energy for the sport so i really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us today obviously we're very much looking forward to seeing you over in iowa for uh the duration of this madison keys celebration of tennis and uh obviously spot is always open for you here on this show so appreciate you taking the time to chat and i will see you in a couple of days my friend look forward to it alex thanks thanks for your time mate Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with three-time ATP doubles champ Nate Healy. Looking forward to getting to spend more time with Nate throughout the course of the Madison Keys Court of Dreams celebration of tennis event. Again, that event happening this Thursday, July 14th, Friday, July 15th. You'll be able to follow all of the action on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. If you are in the greater Iowa area and 
I don't know if we consider Iowa the Midwest or not. I think technically you have to. I think it's more Midwest than Indiana is. That said, us in the Midwest, six-hour drive or less, that's not even a serious drive. So perhaps you're interested in watching this exhibition grass tennis event in person. Tickets still available online, but of course, again, you'll be able to follow it all over on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. Looking forward to chatting with Nate Moore again throughout the course of that event. Also, I'll offer you a little sneak tease here for you Cracked Interviews fans, although I believe that episode will come out before this one. We spoke with Madison Keys on this podcast, one of our probably Probably best guests to date here on the Cracked Interview Show. And of course, while we talked about her Court of Dream celebration of tennis event, we also discussed her immense successes throughout the course of her pro career. Got to talk about the current state of things in the tennis world. It's an episode you don't want to miss and you can find here on the Cracked Interviews podcast or our website, CrackedRackets.com. Of course, a shout out as always to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the of that any job he does day in, day out, whether it's editing this content, our mini break podcast, which of course recapped all things Wimbledon and took a look ahead towards the hard court summer. All of that and so much more, by the way, available on our website, CrackedRackets.com. Like great subscribe review to each of our shows we would immensely appreciate that and of course if you need the more immediate updates twitter instagram facebook youtube we are at cracked rackets you want to message me directly i am at al gruskin a shout out as well to our friends at swing vision remember you can learn more by clicking on the swing vision link in the description to this podcast with all of that said for our fantastic guest nathan healy our super producer daniel westoff our friends at swing vision and from all of us here at both crack rackets and the tennis channel podcast network i'm your host alex gruskin you've been listening to another edition of the cracked interviews podcast stay safe stay healthy we'll talk to you all soon thanks everyone <laughs>